Chapter 4 The memory was like a knife cutting into him, slicing deep into him with hate, the secret. He had been riding his 10-speed with a friend named Terry. They had been taking a run on a bike trail and decided to come back a different way, a way that took him past the Amber Mall. Brian remembered everything in incredible detail. Remembered the time on the bank clock in the mall, flashing 331, then the temperature, 82, and the date. All the numbers were part of the memory. All his life was part of the memory. Terry had just turned to smile at him about something, and Brian looked over Terry's head and saw her. His mother. She was sitting in a station wagon, a strange wagon. He saw her. She did not see him. Brian was going to wave or call out, but something stopped him. There was a man in the car. Short blonde hair the man had, wearing some kind of white pullover tennis shirt. Brian saw this and more, saw the secret, and saw more later. But the memory came in pieces, came in scenes like this, Terry smiling, Brian looking over his shoulder to see the station wagon, and his mother sitting with the man, the time and the temperature clock, the front wheel of his bike, the short blonde hair of the man, the white shirt of the man, the hot hate slices of the memory were exact, the secret. Brian opened his eyes and screamed. For seconds, he did not know where he was, only the crash was still happening and he was going to die. And he screamed until his breath was gone. Then silence filled with sobs as he pulled in the air, half crying. How could it be so quiet? Moments ago, there was nothing but noise, crashing and tearing, screaming, now quiet. Some birds were singing. How could birds be singing? His legs felt wet and he raised up on his hands and looked back down at them. They were in the lake. Strange. They went down into the water. He tried to move, but pain hammered into him and made his breath shorten into gasps, and he stopped, his legs still in the water. Pain. Memory. He turned again, and sun came across the water. Late sun cut into his eyes and made him turn away. It was over then. The crash. He was alive. The crash is over, and I'm alive, he thought. Then his eyes closed, and he lowered his head for a minute that seemed longer. When he opened them again, it was evening and some of the sharp pain had abated. There were many dull aches and the crash came back to him fully. Into the trees and out onto the lake. The plane had crashed and sunk in the lake and he had somehow pulled free. He raised himself and crawled out of the water, grunting with the pain of the movement. His legs were on fire and his forehead felt as if somebody had been pounding on it with a hammer, but he could move. He pulled his legs out of the lake and crawled on his hands and knees until he was away from the wet, soft shore and near a small stand of brush of some kind. Then he went down, only this time to rest, to save something of himself. He lay on his side, he put his head on his arm and closed his eyes because that's all he could do now, all he could think about being able to do. He closed his eyes and slept, dreamless, deep and down. There was almost no light when he opened his eyes again. The darkness of night was thick, and for a moment he began to panic again. To see, he thought. To see is everything, and he could not see. But he turned his head without moving his body and saw that across the lake the sky was a light gray and the sun was starting to come up, and he remembered that it had been evening when he went to sleep. Must be morning now. He mumbled it almost in a hoarse whisper as the thickness of sleep left him and the world came back. He was still in pain, all over pain. His legs were cramped and drawn up, tight and aching, and his back hurt when he tried to move. Worst was he was kneeing 
mean throb in his head that pulsed with every beat of his heart. It seemed that the whole crash had happened to his head. He rolled on his back and felt his sides and his legs moving things slowly. He rubbed his arms. Nothing seemed to be shattered or even sprained all that badly. When he was nine, he plowed his small shirt bike into a parked car and broke his ankle. He had to wear a cast for eight weeks. Then there was nothing now like that. Nothing broken, just battered around a bit. His forehead felt massively swollen to the touch, almost like a mound over his eyes, and it was so tender that when his fingers grazed it, he nearly cried. But there was nothing he could do about it, and like the rest of him, it seemed to be bruised more than broken. I'm alive, he thought. I'm alive. It could have been different. There could have been death. I could have been done. Like the pilot, he thought suddenly. The pilot in the plane, down in the water, down into the blue water strapped to the seat. He sat up or tried to. The first time he fell back, but on the second attempt, grunting with the effort, he managed to come to a sitting position and scrunched sideways until his back was against a small tree where he sat facing the lake, watching the sky get lighter and lighter with the coming dawn. His clothes were wet and clammy and there was a faint chill. He pulled the torn remnants of his windbreaker pieces really around his shoulders and tried not to make thought patterns work right. Things seemed to go back and forth between reality and imagination, except that it was all reality. One second, he seemed to have imagined that there was a plane crash, that he fought out of the sinking plane and swum to shore, that it all happened to some other person or in a movie playing in his mind. Then he would feel his clothes, wet and cold, and his forehead would slash a pain through his thoughts, and he would know it was real, that it really happened. But all in a haze, all in a haze world. So he sat and stared at the lake, felt the pain come and go in waves, and watched the sun come over the end of the lake. It took an hour, perhaps two. He could not measure time, and he didn't care for the sun to get halfway up. When it came, some warmth, some bits of it at first, and with the heat came clouds of insects, thick, swarming hordes of mosquitoes that flocked to his body, making a living coat on his exposed skin, clogged his nostrils when he inhaled, poured into his mouth when he opened it to take a breath. It was not possibly believable. Not this. He had come through the crash, but the insects were not possible. He coughed them up, spat them out, sneezed them out, closed his eyes and kept brushing his face, slapping and crushing them by the dozens, by the hundreds. But as soon as he cleared a place, as soon as he killed them, more came, thick, whining, buzzing masses of them. Mosquitoes and some small black flies he had never seen before, all biting, chewing, taking from him. In moments, his eyes were swollen shut and his face puffy and round to match his battered forehead. He pulled the torn pieces of his windbreaker over his head and tried to shelter it, but the jacket was full of rips and it didn't work. In desperation, he pulled his t-shirt up to cover his face, but that exposed the skin of his lower back and the mosquitoes and flies attacked the new soft flesh of his back so viciously that he pulled the shirt down. In the end, he sat with the windbreaker pulled up, brushed with his hands and took it, almost crying in frustration and agony. There was nothing left to do, and when the sun was fully up and heating him directly, bringing steam off his wet clothes and bathing him in the warmth, the mosquitoes and flies disappeared. 
Almost that suddenly, one minute he was sitting in the middle of a swarm. The next they were gone and the sun was on him. Vampires, he thought. Apparently, they didn't like the deep of the night, perhaps because it was too cool and they couldn't take the direct sunlight. But in the gray time of the morning, when it began to get warm and before the sun was full up and hot, he couldn't believe them. Never in all the reading, in the movies he had watched on television about the outdoors, never once had they mentioned the mosquitoes or flies. All they ever showed on the naturalist shows were beautiful scenery or animals jumping around having a good time. Nobody ever mentioned mosquitoes and flies. This is a long chapter, more in chapter four later.